got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Well, for the third time this season, the Sacramento Kings lose their fifth straight game. This time to the Miami Heat in overtime 118 to 113. The Kings now 15 and 28 on the season, 13 games under 500. Welcome into the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball. And the Hoopball Podcast Network, I am your host, Damian Barling. Thank you for tuning in here. Of course, if you are listening on Monday on this celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you subscribing, rating, and reviewing. If you haven't done that yet, please rate, uh, please subscribe, please review. Let the world know that as frustrating as your basketball team is, you still love the Sacramento Kings podcast here presented by Hoopball. Uh, there's a lot of positives and negatives to take away from this game. We'll go to Luke Walton sound here in just a little bit. Uh, this is our first opportunity to talk to each other since the trade heard around the world. And I say that obviously very sarcastically. I got a lot of text over the weekend. 916-888-5898. You can text that line uh, anytime that you want to. I got a lot of uh, people asking, what are your thoughts on Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, and draft picks, and Anthony Tolliver is returning. Well, first of all, I think Anthony Toller is a fantastic human being. That's my first thought on it. Second of all, um, I don't care. Like, what does this mean for the Sacramento Kings? What does the trade of, of Trevor Ariza for, for Kent Bazemore mean for the Sacramento Kings? Yeah, and, I, and I'm saying that, giving you an opportunity to respond. Honestly, don't, I'm, I'm not going to be that guy or that girl who sits and analyzes this trade as if it was something magnifying. Is this going to be the moment that turns this? Ken Bazemore to the rescue. Nah, man. Like if, if you have a solid layout of why that is uh, the case for the Sacramento Kings in this deal. Cool. Pass it along to me. Here are my initial thoughts on it. We are of the belief uh, that, that that's probably a stupid way of putting it. We have been told flat out, uh, Dwayne Dedman is probably going to be moved. Dwayne Dedman played 14 minutes tonight, and I don't know the rhyme or reason for Dwayne Dedman's playing time. It feels like some days he's a DNP CD. Sometimes it's a four or five minute deal. Tonight it was 14 minutes. Okay. We saw Dwayne Dedman play big minutes when Rashawn Holmes and Marvin Bagley were both out. Now Marvin Bagley was returned and or has returned, excuse me. And I and I guess uh, in addition to Harry Giles not playing at all, Dwayne Dedman is going to play. Minimally. All right. So we know Dwayne Dedman is on his way out, and I'm still of the belief that he's going to land on a contender and he's going to, he is going to be a contributor uh, when the Sacramento Kings are sitting at home during the playoffs and Dwayne Dedman is still out there playing. He's, I think he's going to be a big part of a team in the postseason. That's one. Two, Trevor Ariza is gone. All right, fine. Those are two free agency signings from this past year. Or excuse me, this past offseason. Two free agency signings from this past offseason. Now, we can't say Dwayne Dedman has been traded because he hasn't, but we're under belief that he's going to be. Trevor Ariza is always gone. So what is this starting to tell you about your Sacramento Kings front office? Tell me. like, like what? what and, and I mean that genuinely because I'm going to tell you how I feel. I want you to tell me how you feel. What is this deal with, with Trevor Ariza? I don't care what a minimal piece Trevor Ariza was. The Kings thought highly enough of him to sign him before the season started, they thought highly enough of him to sign him during free agency. Same with Dwayne Dedman. That was their big free agent acquisition. Dwayne Dedman was their guy. Where are we pointing the finger at? 
Now, there's a lot of blame to go around. Here is the sad part about the Sacramento Kings and watching this game. The Maya, this game went to overtime. The Sacramento Kings were in firm control of this game in the fourth quarter. Not blowout control, but it's one of those games where you felt confident about the Sacramento, about where the Kings were. The second it went to overtime, I'm guessing every single one of you felt exactly like I did, and it is very simple. The Kings just lost this game. Yep, Corey Joseph was absolutely pushed off there in the, on, on that final play. There's no question about that. But you felt like I did. This game is over, and the Miami Heat are going to win. The Miami Heat have all of the momentum. We heard about the home records all freaking game long. They played in San Antonio last night and lost. By the way, if you haven't been paying attention, the Miami Heat are an upper echelon Eastern Conference team. They're in the mix with Philadelphia. They're above Philadelphia. They're above Toronto. They're above Indiana. They're above Boston. Jimmy Butler didn't play tonight. All of the makings were there for the Kings to win this game going into it. It was all laid out for them. Again, Miami playing last night. Jimmy Butler not playing. You know, all of these little statistics that make you feel all warm and fuzzy about the Miami Heat, the way that the Kings were playing, you know, the pace that they established in the third quarter. Because the, the, the first quarter, it, it, it was like, okay, this, all right, it's a slow-paced game. That's not necessarily a bad thing for the Sacramento Kings, though Eric Spolster can out-coach Luke Walton in a heartbeat. He can out-coach a lot of coaches in the league in a heartbeat. And then the second quarter gets here, and it's like, okay, Miami outscored the Kings in that quarter 35 to 34, but if that was the pace, oh, this this was a this this was a good thing for the Sacramento Kings. That was a good pace for the Sacramento Kings cuz there's no way that Miami was going to be able to keep up with it. And then the third quarter gets here. The third quarter gets here and it's 20 to 20 and it's the Kings take a, you know, modest lead into the into the fourth quarter and it's all right, you again. You 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 look at this and you go. Miami doesn't lose often at home. They've only lost twice carrying the lead into the fourth quarter. Now the Kings were up to seventy eight to seventy six, and Miami the third quarter going as slow as it went. Miami having played the night before, no Jimmy Butler. This looked like a situation where the Kings were in the perfect position to win this game. A seven to three start to that fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. This is where the Kings need to be. This is good stuff. They're going to be able to close out this game. And you feel like, okay, they're not pulling away from Miami, but that doesn't really matter. The Kings don't pull away from anybody. Like we talk about this all the time. It's Groundhog's Day. They're going to win or lose by five, and there are exceptions to that, as the game against Utah pointed out a couple of nights ago. But it's like, it's it's all right. It doesn't matter. The Kings, three-point lead with possession of the ball. Can't get it. We saw so many lapses, and this is the frustrating part. I believe that the Sacramento Kings players, I believe that they are a good basketball team. Bogey, Corey Joseph, Yogi. You know I'm a Yogi Ferrell guy. Why the hell that guy doesn't play? I, I, I don't freaking know. I actually like Dwayne Dedman. Obviously, Rashawn Holmes isn't in a jersey. Marvin Bagley. I thought Marvin Bagley had a fantastic game in some aspects. If the Kings would have won this game, I would have thought Marvin Bagley had a magnificent game. But the problem is, Marvin Bagley is part of the reason that they lost. See, we're so drawn and we get, if you don't like that, and you get all hyped up when you see these offensive plays. But what doesn't get called out is the fact that Nemanja Bialica fell asleep on a game-tying three-pointer. 
we saw Marvin Bagley get. Why was Corey Joseph on the block? How did that happen? How did Corey Joseph get down there at the end of regulation? Like there were so many defensive lapses that are just maddening to see, which leads to my next point. Point one, the team in and of itself, the players, the guys who wear the uniform, they're a good basketball team. That's my opinion. You can tell me I'm an idiot. I've been called worse. I think they're a good basketball team. Here's the problem with this good basketball team. I think they're poorly coached. And I think they're poorly led in the front office. And just because three is better than two, I think they're a poorly run organization. That's why the Sacramento Kings are where they are. It's not because of Buddy, even though Buddy is uh, doing his part to make everybody look at him like, dude, you kidding me? You're shooting like four and a half percent lower from behind the arc than you were last year. What is happening right now? Why is this happening? Can we fix this? What do we need to do? Need to get Buddy a lucky rabbit's foot? What is it? This ain't working. Marvin Bagley can't stay healthy. Of course we had an injury scare today. Why wouldn't we have an injury scare today? I thought Harrison Barnes was dead in the first quarter. No, all kidding aside, when, when uh, Harrison Barnes ran into that screen, I think it, I think it, I think it was Leonard. I thought uh, it looked like I, I realize now he was kind of clutching his shoulder, and I thought he was clutching his ribs. Oh boy! Not only is he going to be out for a long time, but he's going to be in pain, severe pain, the rest of the season. Still a bit unclear as to what exactly happened to him, uh, but thankfully, whatever it was, it's okay. I think uh, Doug. Christie alluded to it could have been something soft tissue to where it just causes a ton of pain but doesn't cause any you know lingering effects which we've we've had that that's a you get those a lot like when you see guys get kneed in the thigh or something like that it's a soft tissue thing where it hurts really 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 bad in the immediate moment but it doesn't it doesn't carry anything long term so there was this moment like you got to be kidding me the Harrison Barnes might be the only guy who hasn't gone I guess Buddy Heald hasn't either there aren't very many guys who haven't been on the the injured list, if you will, who haven't watched a Kings game in a suit yet this year. Harrison Barnes is one of the few guys who hasn't, and, and it appears that uh, he, he he's okay more than it appears. He didn't play particularly well. I should say he didn't shoot particularly well as he was 3 of 11. I got to think that that uh, that shot he took there in the first quarter played a little bit of a factor into that, but he did wind up playing uh, 33 minutes. I don't understand Luke Walton's rotations either. Again, I mentioned Dwayne Dedman a minute ago. I mentioned Yogi Ferrell. I'm going to take you back a couple of years ago to the, well, we're, we're focused on developing our core. We're focused on developing the young guys. I'm going to take you back to that year. And I, I want you to recall a conversation, and, and maybe you listened to the radio show I used to do. Maybe you didn't. But I could tell you that Garrett Temple was a regular guest on our show. And Garrett Temple was one of those guys who he was – you know, when, when the Kings essentially shut down for the final 40 freaking games of the season, Garrett Temple was one of the guys who who's, you know, kind of second half lacked because of that. Now, that team that year suffered a lot of injuries in the second half, and I don't think the, you know, the so-called shutdown went quite the way Dave Yeager and Vlade and the rest of that group planned it to. Uh, but it still ultimately happened where you had one day guys would play 30-plus minutes, and the next day they wouldn't play at all. And one day we asked Garrett, who was a weekly, weekly visitor on the lowdown, we asked him, gee, is it, 
is this is it difficult like not knowing what your role I mean you know what your coach is doing he's talked to you all individually he talked to you all individually before he talked to us in the media but is it difficult to not know on a night-to-night basis what you're doing without skipping a beat Garrett said that's one of the hardest things about this whole year is one minute you 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 have to stay ready but you realize no matter what you contribute in your 20 minutes on the floor, your 25 minutes on the floor, your 30 minutes on the floor, your 43 minutes on the floor, it's not going to guarantee you a fact that you're going to play the next day. Not play 43 minutes, but play it all. And I feel like that's what we're looking at with, with Dave Yeager, right, or excuse me, with Luke Walton right now. Is Luke Walton is just trying to find something. And in the end, it's like, what, what are you doing? On a night-to-night basis, like, what are you doing? Dwayne Dedman, 14 minutes tonight. Why? Why did Dwayne Dedman play 14 minutes? Oh, he's a pro. He's going to be ready. And Dwayne Dedman, the same thing. I'm going to be ready when my number's called. Good coaches don't have this problem. Players know their role to steal a line from 1997 Rock. The Rock. They know their role. What is Dwayne Dedman's role? What is Yogi Ferrell's role? When was the last time we even got to talk about Yogi Ferrell? Corey Joseph, 18 minutes tonight. Bogdan Bogdanovich returned, played 34 minutes off the bench. His role is pretty established. He's probably the one player who comes off the bench who has an established role. Now that's going to change when Rashawn Holmes comes back. And I assume Nemanja Bialica is moving to the bench. I repeat, I assume... Nemanja Bielitsa is moving to the bench when Rashawn Holmes comes back. So we know at that point that Belly and Bogey will both have rather prominent roles coming off of the bench. But other than that, Yogi, Corey, these guys could be playing for the Stockton Kings for all that matters. Like, you don't know on a night-to-night basis what they're going to do. They don't know on a night-to-night basis what they got to do, and that's got to be maddening to them. And to me, that is the sign, again, of a poorly run organization. That is the sign of a poorly run front office, and that is the sign of a, core, a poorly coached team. I know how great Luka Doncic is. You don't have to convince me on that. Do I wish the Kings had drafted Luka Doncic? Absolutely. But I'm not in the camp that Marvin Bagley is some sort of trash player. I would love for Marvin Bagley to be on the floor significantly more than he is, but I'm very confident that he's just scratching the surface of what he's going to be as a professional basketball player. I think Bagley is is going to wind up being a very, very good basketball player, and I'm really hoping that that happens sooner rather than later. I'm actually wondering, if you look at the course of the last couple of games here, I'm actually wondering if for Marvin Bagley's case, the worst thing that could happen to him coming up is the All-Star break. Because he, unlike Buddy... Perhaps even uh, unlike uh, De'Aaron and and Nemanja, he's a guy who needs to stay out on the floor. He doesn't need a break from the team. He doesn't need a break from the minutes. He needs to stay out there and get into a rhythm. But he needs to get into a rhythm with these guys, and that's not going to be able to happen. And at that point, you got to wonder, okay, is Rashawn Holmes back? Are we starting completely over after the All-Star break when I assume Rashawn Holmes is going to be healthy? Bagley, hopefully, is going to be feeling pretty good. And I understand that this King has, this King's team has just been decimated with injuries. 
over and over and over again. And I'm sorry, normally I spend a ton of time dissecting, you know, what happened. If you didn't tune into the game, I'm sorry I haven't spent more time dissecting the game. Uh, we're going to hear from Luke Walton here in, in just a couple of minutes. I laid a little bit out for you just a minute ago. The Kings took a 24-21 point lead into the second quarter, and it felt like, okay, this this might be the bit of a slugfest. This felt like you see this a lot, I think, with early games in the NBA. You see teams kind of feeling themselves out. It's it's a game, you know, several hours earlier than the Sacramento Kings are used to playing. It's even games that are several. It's even a game that was several hours earlier than than when the Miami Heat are used to playing. And it felt like okay, they're 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 kind of feeling this out, getting into a little bit of flow. Not a lot of pluses, not a lot of minuses. Just a just a quarter of basketball, twenty four twenty one, and then the second quarter got here, and you realize okay, they're they're in rhythm. They've got that lather. The spacing is getting, okay, now they're feeling it. Now we're going. Now we've got that high-scoring second quarter. And then halftime came and put a complete halt to that. Again, the, 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 the you know, isolated quarter total for, for the second quarter was 35-34. The isolated quarter total for the third quarter was 20-20. to So the game slowed down drastically there in the third quarter. And you thought, okay, I actually thought despite the fact that the, the, the heat played the night before they traveled, they did all. I thought this is good for the Kings because they're just going to lull Miami right out of this game. And it felt like for the better part of the fourth quarter, that that's what happened. They just, Oh, games within three. Nope. De'Aaron Fox. Oh, game is back within two. Nope, Marvin Bagley. Like play after play after play. It's like, ah, they're they're not going to give Miami a chance to get in this. And then suddenly, a missed shot on one end. Nemanja Bielitsa falls asleep on the defensive end, and now we've got a tied game. And that's essentially what led us to, and that and, and, and it went that way a couple of times, and it, it's, it's what led us into overtime. We're going to hear from uh, Luke Walton in just a minute. And before we do, I want to remind you, you can head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted sports books in the industry. And if you're looking for a sports book to bet on the big game coming up in just a couple of weeks, well, MyBookie is where you want to go. If you don't want to get in on that action, no problem. Plenty of NBA games on a night-to-night basis you can bet on. Uh, they've got the fastest payouts, the best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 service. As a matter of fact, speaking of... The best promotions right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to all the way up to a thousand dollars. That means if you deposit two thousand dollars, you'll get an extra one thousand dollars in free money to play with. Free money. I say two thousand. Hey, don't, don't roll like that. There's no problem. If you bet ten dollars, they'll give you an extra five. You bet a hundred dollars, they'll give you an extra fifty. You get the gist. All you gotta use, all you gotta do is use the promo code SAC S A C. Use the promo code SAC to activate that offer. Again, S-A-C. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. Bet, win, get paid. Again, the Sacramento Kings uh, lose tonight. 118 to 113, fall to 15 and 28 on the season. Their fifth straight loss. This is the third time this season they have lost Five straight games. For context purposes, Miami has a total of 13 losses on the season. Toronto has a total of 14 losses on the season. Boston has a total of 14 losses on the season. The Clippers, the Nuggets, the Jazz, they have 13 losses on the season. The Dallas Mavericks, they have 15. 
The Sacramento Kings have 15 in three separate five-game losing streaks. There are 19 games behind the Los Angeles Lakers. And they're starting to slip further and further away from that eighth spot. I said this a few days ago. I think it's worth repeating. There is a very high probability that the team that makes the eighth spot in the Western Conference, it's a very high probability that that team has a better record or has a, has a worse record than the Sacramento Kings had last season. There's a very real possibility that the team that finishes with the eight seed finishes with 39 wins or less. Amazing. Amazing. Minnesota uh, in front of the Los Angeles Lakers. In fact, everybody except the Golden State Warriors is in front of the Sacramento Kings right now. Uh, Of course, they've got quite the road trip ahead of them. Detroit, uh, they're featured in all sorts of trade rumors going on right now. They'll have Chicago uh, after that, um, and then, you know, they get, they get back home and this five game road trip ends, you know, they got Minnesota at the, at the end of it. It doesn't get much easier as they've got the thunder who had a phenomenal comeback against the Houston Rockets today. And I'm beginning to think the Houston Rockets stink. They've got the Los Angeles Clippers right after that, in Los Angeles, second night of a back-to-back. Then they'll come back, and they'll take on LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers on the first day of February. So people have been talking about, all this five-game road trip, it could really define where the Sacramento Kings are. There's not a point in the schedule that's going to define where the Kings are. It doesn't matter. So so what matters? They they, they, they beat Boston, good. They beat, uh, not Boston, excuse me. They beat Detroit, great. They beat Chicago, great. What about the Thunder? What about the Clippers? What about the Lakers? Those are all playoff teams. When we talk about the Lakers and the Clippers, you're talking about two of the top teams in the, in the Western Conference. You're talking about two of the top teams in the entire league. So many frustrating aspects. They out-rebounded the Heat tonight. They had more assists than the Heat tonight. They had less turnovers than the Heat tonight. They shot 25% from three. And it looked like at the start of overtime, man... You totally redeemed yourself. That was going to be the line for Buddy Heald because Buddy hadn't been playing particularly well. Specifically, Buddy hadn't been shooting particularly well. He shot 17 three-pointers tonight, dude. He was 5 of 17 from the three. Let's listen to Luke Walton tell us everything's okay. That's more of you know our, our team that I'm used to seeing as far as how hard we competed. Um, Take a shot. kind of has to get back to being the standard of, of how we play each and every night. Uh, all guys giving everything they have. And, uh, you know, unfortunate loss. Give Miami credit. They had a lot of big shots. Uh, they had a lot of big shots down the stretch and into overtime. So tip your hat to them. But uh, proud of the, the effort our, our guys played with tonight. How big a role did defensive rebounds play for you guys? It was big. You know, I thought, you know, everything I asked of our guys to do, be aggressive, be physical. This is one of the most physical teams in the league. Um, you know, play for each other. They, I thought we did a really nice job of, of, uh, of giving it our all in those categories. And that's when offensive rebounding, second chance points uh, will, will, will fall in your favor. Any shortcomings you saw that would lead to this? I mean, it, right, right down the wire. I mean, less than a second to decide the game. Kind of. Yeah. Um, no, I'll have to go back in the, in the tape to watch. I, I still don't, I, I don't. I don't understand how we don't get to the free throw line. Um, I'm going to have to go back and watch the tape on that. I mean, 
Marvin and Marvin and Fox playing combined 40, you know, close to 40 minutes apiece. They we, they attacked the rim nonstop all game. They shot one free throw combined. So I'm gonna have to go back and watch the tape and uh, and see what's going on. But uh, that's it seems like every night the other team shoots 10, 15, 20 more free throws than we do. So that that that's one thing that makes it challenging to win. Marvin was guarding the ball on the inbound play, but how'd you end up with Corey all by himself with Bam? Well, we were switching everything. Um, it was one through five uh, switch. So, uh, you know, 1.8, we were looking to take away any catch and shoots and uh, we ho was hoping with Marvin's length on the ball, anything around the rim would be a tough pass to get over him. So uh, we had Harrison on Bam originally and then uh, they got the advantage on the size on the switch and they executed the play uh, perfectly. And how about what you saw from Marvin tonight, what you think? Uh, I thought he was really good. His, you know, the way he was uh, keeping balls alive for us. Uh, you know, it's a, a tough game because they play zone the whole time. So a lot of the normal things we run aren't uh, aren't available. Uh, and for him, that, that meant a lot of night just sacrificing playing below the defense in the in the dunker area and looking to attack the glass and looking uh, for drop off passes. So. Uh, you know, he, he stayed committed to that, and I thought he gave a, a winning effort tonight. It's unfortunate it didn't turn into a win for us. That effort even more impressive then, given that it, it kind of leads to different reads and, and responses from him? I'm sorry, one more time with that. Um, are you even more impressed with the way he played, given that he had to make some different reads and, and yeah, kind of play things differently absolutely. than normal? Yeah, yeah, He's uh, Like I said, any uh, the, the more minutes and reps he can get going against different defenses, different players, uh, is it, just going to be better for him and ultimately better for us. So uh, to have to play in a game where, you know, the – the pick and roll and the post-ups aren't really there because it's a 2-3 zone um, and still find a way to affect the game positively is a, is a, is a nice step for him. You always play well against uh, the Heat. I think had you pulled this out, it would have been five straight that you beat them. Can you, uh, do you believe a team can have another team's number? Uh, I don't know about all that. I just I just know that the next we're focused on this game, and now that this game is behind us, we learn from it, and uh, we, we move on to the next one. That's it. Buddy, a couple of threes there to kind of give you the lead. How would you assess out because he's played uh, this season and what, what he's been doing lately? Yeah, we, we uh, you know, we love having Buddy. He's always a uh, constant threat uh, to to score quickly, and he's. Uh... All right, we're we're moving on. Sorry, he's 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 not saying anything. I'm so happy that the Sacramento Kings conducted an extensive and exhaustive coaching search so they could hire a guy to come in and be the player's friend. I'm really, really happy that that they did that. Uh, it's obviously paid off very, very well for them. That extensive and exhaustive coaching search that they did to bring in the the the, the player's buddy that that was just brilliant strategy uh, by the Sacramento Kings front office. So so good for them. I'm I'm so happy in moments like today uh, where they lose uh, for the fifth straight time for the third time this season. I'm so happy when they fall. To 13 games under 500. I'm so happy that on a day like that, we can tip our cap to Miami and not acknowledge the fact that the Sacramento Kings just lost to a team that played in San Antonio the night before and the game started at freaking 5 p.m. local time.
I'm so happy that we can do that. And I'm so happy that we can also go in front of the media and wonder why our players like, well, uh, De'Aaron played 38 minutes and, and Marvin Bagley played 38 minutes and those guys went to the to the foul line uh, combined one time. Buddy Heald went to the, he played 43 minutes. They went to a combined one time. Yes, Luke, because what dictates the amount of foul shots you take each game is the number of minutes you play. I'm done. I love y'all, man. I absolutely do. Can't say I love this particular version of our team right now, but I love y'all. Uh, 916-888. What is the number? I don't even remember the text line number right now, man. 888-5898, something like that. If that doesn't text me, it text somebody. Just introduce yourself if that's not our text line number, man. I completely forgot. So agitated listening to him talk. I swear it's so tired. Well, buddy played 43 minutes. De'Aaron played 38. That has nothing to do with the amount of foul shots you take, bruh. I don't even have to be a coach. In the, you have forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know, and I still know that. Minutes don't dictate foul shots. Again, I love y'all. The podcast with Damian Barling, you can check that out for Daily Sports Talk. Uh, in the Game podcast, you can check out uh, for fitness tips, motivation, because obviously, as you can tell, I'm quite the motivational speaker. Kings lose in Miami, 118 to 113. They fall to 15 and 28 on the season. Next up, Detroit basketball. We'll be ready for that, I guess. Coming up on Wednesday night. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe, rate, and review. It's the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoop Ball and the Hoop Ball Podcast Network.